Now back to 95.7 The Game. Thanks for being with us. It's Whitey Gleason, Evan Giddings. Big week ahead. Of course, we got a holiday coming up. A great holiday, the 4th of July. NBA free agency tipping off Thursday, 3 o'clock our time. So we'll be dealing with a lot of rumors and reports and then... Signings uh, will probably begin. It doesn't look like the Warriors will be involved in much of that, but of course they'll be keeping an eye on everything else going on across the association with some big names available, Evan, including, as we mentioned earlier, James Harden has a player option for next season, Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook with player options, free agents available this summer, Zach Levine, Jalen Brunson, DeAndre Ayton. Of course, people keeping an eye on LeBron as well to see whether he decides by August to sign an extension with the Lakers. If he doesn't, he could be a free agent a year from now. So there's much intrigue. There's a lot of big names that have been floating around the free agency circle. There's also a a couple of maybe smaller names, but I think are, are pretty impactful when you look at the Warriors and the teams that they'll have to go through next year in the Western Conference, namely the one that I think that gave them the most trouble in Memphis, a guy like Kyle Anderson. I know yesterday someone on the Xfinity Mobile text line compared PBJ to Slow-Mo, mm. to Kyle mm-hmm. Anderson. He's a free agent this year. Also, Tyus Jones, the backup point guard for the Grizzlies, who I thought you know, did a fantastic job of filling in for Ja Morant when he went down in the middle of that conference semifinals. And so they're going to potentially lose some guys as well. Everyone, at least that has you know some sort of success, would love to to run it back and build off of it. But you know, there's there's a lot of impactful names out there. Andre Iguodala is a free agent for the Golden State Warriors, who you know could be a, seen as a valued member with another team. I don't know if he would go and play elsewhere, but then again, if someone paid him to do what he did this year, which is just kind of take it easy play occasionally, be a mentor, and help develop young players, he might be an asset somewhere too. So there's a lot to be interested in with free agency. And as it unfolds, every single offseason, the league sort of switches up or is reformatted based on the player movement. And there's a lot of impactful players both at the top who make a lot of money as well as around those mid-level guys too. And the Warriors still have an awful lot. They have a lot of uh, veteran, great veteran players, but they also have a lot now of really young players. And if they're right about most of those young players, they remain light years ahead of the NBA. Meanwhile, we have a final from Oracle, Evan Giddings. The Cincinnati Reds have beaten the Giants today 10-3 for the Reds. 10 runs, 15 hits, and no errors, which... Reds team was this? Was this the big red machine beating the Giants ten to three? The Giants three five and one. Uh, Mali the winner. Di Sclafani the loser. Giants fall to thirty nine and thirty three. They correct me if I'm wrong. They just lost a series to the Cincinnati Reds. They sure did, and especially for a, a Reds team that was you know on par with the Richmond Spiders of eighteen eighty nine at the beginning of the season. That's that's not a good look for the Giants. No. I don't know if they're playing the 73 Reds or if the Reds were playing the 73 Giants, but either way, like they they just they couldn't figure it out. And it was especially disappointing, I think, for for one individual, at least for this game, to me, and that was Anthony DiSclefani, because he was 
not a, a focal piece, but you know, a three-four starting pitcher last year in a hundred-win season had a a, a, ba- a bounce-back year last year, and he's also pitching against his former team in the Cincinnati Reds, and they had their way with him right from the start. I think he got through the first inning, and then six runs came in the second. All mind you, with two outs, there was. As you kind of talked about yesterday, there was some more defensive miscues from the Giants that ended up costing them a lot of runs. Disclafani, the two and two-thirds, seven in runs on seven hits, only one strikeout as well. Right now, the Giants are, are, are searching for some sort of consistency from that rotation. Yeah, and that, that's unfortunate. I know that uh, Dan Devone and Shamari were talking about this before our show, and Dan Devone was saying, you know, it's a win's a win, a loss is a loss. And, and Shamari made the point, which I agree with, that especially when you're behind, you're in third place, you have an opportunity against some lesser teams like the Reds, really a poor team. You have to take advantage of those. Now, they still have opportunities on the homestand with the Tigers coming in and the White Sox. So, you know, it's baseball and it happens, but that's a tough one. You have a tough road trip. You come home. All right, we're back home facing Cincinnati, and Cincinnati takes two out of three. Also, more bad news for the Giants with Brandon Crawford going on the injured list. So, rough start to this promising homestand. And it's especially rough when the two teams ahead of you, and we're talking about the division here, are playing two formidable opponents. Right now, the Sunday night baseball game coming up with the Atlanta Braves taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's a tough matchup in a World Series, or uh, pardon me, playoffs rematch from last year. You know, the Phillies right now, I know too much to much to your dismay, have taken a lead against San Diego. Ugh, what? Philadelphia yeah. and, and the pods are, are going ahead. Like, that's a tough matchup for them. So you would think with somewhat of the kind of bottom feeders coming into San Francisco that you would have not a cakewalk to win. Anybody can be beaten on any given day. That's the beauty of baseball. But you would hope that your team that has been sort of struggling to find an identity could at least take some steps towards that. And now, 70-plus games into the season, I still have a lot of questions about the Giants, and they didn't answer really any of them in this series. Uh, starting pitching's a big issue, right? Starting pitching in the defense, two huge issues. The bullpen's been a little spotty. The bullpen today, you know, they were so far behind early, the bullpen wasn't really a factor. Defense has been a factor. The offense, for the most part, has been, especially in this uh, suppressed environment that the major leagues are playing in now, it's like the defense, the offense has been, yeah, that'll work. But the starting pitching, to your point about Di Sclafani, that's a real problem for the Giants right now. Yeah, I mean, outside of Webb and Rodon, the the third best starting pitcher this year is is Jacob Junis, who's who's on the IL right now. And so, you know, not everyone I, I understand is going to be able to carry their success from year to year. Alex Wood has has been a little bit disappointing this year. Alex Cobb hasn't been the the signing that they thought that he was going to be thus far through ten starts, and he's missed a little bit of time as well. But even sort of the the strengths of the Giants from last season and at least in the pitching staff looking at the bullpen they've also been up and down too Doval is you know a, a great option on the back end but you know Tyler Rogers has definitely not been the pitcher he was last year and then you don't have outside of them I think any real you know seventh eighth ninth inning combination that you can trust on a given day outside of maybe Doval just because of how good his stuff is. But right now, it's it, it it's looking like I would hope that they would be active close to the deadline and looking for an arm. I know yesterday I talked about the fact that I was I was afraid of how they're going to score runs, but 
a big part of the offense is if there's no pressure on you to score, your pitching can alleviate a lot of that stress. And right now the Giants pitching has posed more problems than solutions for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I know it's not even the 4th of July yet, so there's no need to panic, but I think you're right. Some of this is trending in the wrong direction. When you're already in third place in your division, Alex Wood is 5-6 and six right now. His ERA is 5.05. 67 and two-thirds, he's given up 73 hits. Uh, Alex Cobb is uh, three and three, as ERA 5.48. Uh, he's given up more hits than innings pitched. And Dee Sclafani is only pitched in four games, but he's 0-1 with an ERA after today of 7.71. McGee's ERA is 6.98. So, yeah, the Giants offense is, has been performing uh, pretty well, all things considered. But also now you have your shortstop is uh, injured. The catching situation is not what you thought. Giants right now really have some real issues. And it's easy to say, oh, they got a winning record. But this uh, this season right now is uh, kind of hanging in the balance there. And they have to start playing better and take advantage of the opportunities that they have to play better on this homestand against bad teams like Detroit and the White Sox. And baseball, maybe more so than any other major sport, you're, you're looking – not only at the team and how it's constructed, but you're looking at the you know, close competition, right? So within the division, like you're not sure. Yeah, the, the, the Giants might be better than the majority of teams in the NL Central or the AL Central, but, that, but that doesn't, that's not who they're competing against. They're competing right. against the Dodgers and the Padres, who for the argument that the Giants aren't completely whole yet is valid also applies to those other two division teams. Like, the Padres are not at full strength. Nope. The Dodgers are not at full strength. And you're starting to kind of lose some ground against those guys. I, I, it's not a time to panic, but it is a time to wonder what this season is going to be because, you know, I don't see either of the two teams in front of them necessarily slowing down. And so it's up to the Giants to gain ground. And if you can't get that done against the Cincinnati's of the world, then I think you got some issues. And mm-hmm. I know they're 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 process based, and um, you know they kind of look at their team or their performance more so as a spreadsheet rather than as as individuals on the field. And that's all well and good. But if it doesn't work, then so you got to point the finger at someone. And I can't really point it at any of these players. And right now, my finger is sort of gravitating towards, you know, or between starting rotation, the bullpen, as well as the front office. Maybe it was inevitable after the year they had last year. You know, it's tough to come back after 107 wins, obviously, and they do have a winning record, and there's a long ways to go. It's still early, but everything about the Giants to this point just seems kind of, there's something lacking. And I know that people who were loud critics of their offseason would say they just didn't do enough this offseason. And I think the other side of that is, hey, look, they got, as I mentioned yesterday, you got Jock Peterson. He's having an all-star-like year. Rodon's having an all-star-like year. There just wasn't anybody out there that we really wanted. But this lineup, uh, and injuries have a lot to do with it too, it's just a little bit underwhelming. And yeah, uh, what, 39 and 33, but an underwhelming lineup, platoon-heavy, 
uh, with a starting rotation right now that really is having problems getting traction. It looks like they may be headed in the wrong direction. That's the thing. Yeah, 39 and 33 is one thing, but this team's really scuffling right now. I'm not sure what the answer is. We know that the Giants typically under Farhan are going to tend to be more patient and let, as you said, the process play out. But come trade deadline time, I'm not even sure what it is that you you would most need. Evan, do you need catching, Eh, starting pitching? I think that's probably the most pressing need. Yeah, I think I'm with you on the pitching. I mean, the the offense is is good, but there's clearly a lot of holes compared to last season in the lineup. They're very dependent on the two things which, you know, credit to them, have created success in baseball, and that is walks, in which they're currently second among NL teams in, and home runs, which they're currently fourth among NL teams in. But if they don't have either of those, which they didn't get today, we saw that yesterday on Saturday, uh-huh, uh-huh. and they had four home runs, they drew a lot of walks against Mike Miner and kind of you know, not-so-great Cincinnati pitching staff. But then in Game 1 of the series against Ashcraft, went eight innings, didn't walk a single guy, didn't give up a home run, Giants lost in that game, and today, same thing. I know they gave up 10 runs, so you know that that's a big hole to dig out of, but you're not getting walks. I think they had one home run, but it came late. And if that's what you are as an offense, I, I, need, I need them to prove to me that they can create runs with other means than just kind of the, the one or, or two trick ponies that they've been so far this year. I trust you had a great time at the game last night. The Giants needed you there. Are you now undefeated? I don't know how many games you've been to this year, but are you kind of a Giants good luck charm so far this year? Well, so it depends. Because, again, mm-hmm. Wadi, I am, I must admit, I do hail from the other side of the bridge. I mm-hmm. am a supporter of the green and gold. So I would consider myself undefeated at Oracle Park this year because I've been to two games. I've been to yesterday, in which they beat the Cincinnati Reds, and I went to game two <laughs> okay. of the Bay Bridge series in which the Oakland Athletics won one to nothing. So I would consider myself undefeated, Whitey. Gotcha, gotcha. Each okay. time the teams that I was rooting for to win ended up with the victory, even though in one of those matchups uh, it wasn't the Giants. Where were you uh, sitting last night, yesterday afternoon, last night? Yeah, uh, Yesterday I was I was actually – so I, I got lucky. A buddy of mine was in town – uh, he's a he's a baseball coach up at Lewis and Clark University in Portland. He was down here at the Stanford honor roll camp to to do some recruiting, try and get some new players, and so he was able to get us a couple tickets. And we were row seven on the first base side, right behind the Reds dugout. So we, we had some pretty good seats. Mm-hmm. No, that's nice. That's nice. Uh, Giants falling today to the Cincinnati Reds of all teams, ten to three. Another thing that I think Evan would trouble me. Uh, if I were in the Giants organization, is by now I would have hoped that I was getting more production from my top crop of youngsters. Joey Bart uh, this year, you know, huge disappointment. It's, it happens, it's baseball, but you're expecting more from Joey Bart and you're just not getting anything from, I mean, I guess you could say, well, you know, Estrada, whom they got from the Yankees, is, you know, he's holding down the shortstop position. He's been a nice bench player, but he's not one of your top prospects. They just haven't got gotten that and I really think bottom line for the Giants is last year I think they played over their heads bless them they did but I think they're coming back to earth a little bit this year then you got the starting pitchings unraveling a little bit and I think this is I think they're near crisis situation here because I can see this thing uh slipping the wrong way here if they don't take advantage of the opportunities they have on this homestand well based on the way they're playing they're headed for a second straight month 
under 500, which was something that did not happen a single time last year. So from from that perspective, yeah, you could argue that there's there's a crisis on the horizon. I just still think there there's so much season left that there is a lot of time for them to turn things around. My only issue is and to your point about not having that that influx of youth at least yet, there just appears to be too many I don't know what we'll call them like stop gaps in your in your yes. rotation in your order. There are too yes. many guys that are not going to be a part of this team long term. And those are the guys that are kind of holding you down. They are, in a lot of ways, the anchor for this Giants team. You obviously can't just replace them with you know a better production, but that's that's the way I look at this roster. It's a lot of stop gaps mixed with you know kind of the some of the core from last year. But even then, those players in Belt Crawford they've either been injured or underperforming, and that's just not a winning equation. Yeah, I'm with you. And you got Belt is struggling this year, and Longoria's off to a slow start, and Crawford's having a really a bad start, and he's been hurt, and he's hurt again. The catching situation here, Casale and wins for what they are. It's like they've done a pretty good job, but can they hold down the position to the extent that they're actually going to be assets for you? And you got Yermin Mercedes, who played first base today. That improves the catching depth a little bit. Uh, Flores, to me, like Darren Ruff is a classic example of where the Giants are. Last year, Darren Ruff was really good, right? I mean, he was a really great right-handed uh, platoon piece. I didn't think he's really – I played a little over his head last year, I think. Tip of the cap to him. This year I think we're seeing more of what he actually is, and I think that's true of this giant lineup. I think they're kind of being revealed for what they actually are. So in that sense, it's a credit to the Giants that they're six games over five hundred. But where is the help going to come from? That's the question. And I think it's it's not going to come this season, and and it may not come next season. But Farhan has preached patience to this fan base, and I know a lot of diehard Giants fans have have tried to preach the same sentiment to their you know sort of more on the fence fans that watch every once in a while, but like the team. Like those are the fans that I more so worry about. The kind of I guess the the moderates of the Giants fans like. They need a reason to stay with this team, and I just don't know if they're going to get one in the near future. And that may seem like a foreign concept for a sports fan from the Bay Area that your owner, your your front office is not willing to pay to bring in top flight talent like the Golden State Warriors might be paying a $400 million tax next season. But that is the reality of the situation. And for the Giants... Like here, I think Ruff is is a great example and kind of encapsulates where I'm at with the Giants. Is me too. Mm-hmm. He was good last season, and last season may also be more of the player that he actually is. But the difference is when you have all of these, you know, kind of um, not not one hit wonders, not not flashes in the pan, but like surprises. Like Mike Yastrzemski two years ago was a surprise. They were not planned on being main parts of this of this franchise when you have players like that and they have a lot of them you run the risk of regression and Farhan as as a you know a better statistician that I could ever hope to be I'm sure very much understands this but that is the risk you run in this situation which is rough could go out and hit 20 home runs and hit 280 and have a 800 OPS like he did last season or he could also hit Six home runs through 60 games, be batting 225. Like, that is also, you know, a, 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 the other side of this coin for the Giants. 
And we saw whatever it landed on last year, which was 107 wins. And then this is the other side of the coin. And fans, unfortunately, just got to be cool with it. Here's the problem, I think, if you're a giant fan. And I think if you're the organization, that's just the reality. And they understand where they are. And they understand uh, their truest path out of this current situation. But if you're a fan... What are you excited about this week? You got your manager just doing what managers are supposed to do, telling you how excited he is, Evan, about Willie Calhoun coming here, right? And nothing against Willie Calhoun. He's a professional player. He's from Vallejo, for crying out loud. But really, you expect me as a fan to get excited about Willie Calhoun because you were in the Dodger organization years ago and he was good? Okay. And I just saw Kapler was on TV, and he's talking about how excited he is about your mean Mercedes. Oh, come on. That's really – you look at what the Dodgers are doing, and even San Diego has some big names, and I'm supposed to get excited about Willie Calhoun and your mean Mercedes. And I think, you know, they're trying true Giants fans are going to love this team no matter what. They could lose every game, and there are some fans that would still love them. But by and large, the more casual fan is like, hey, right now we got a 49er team that came within a whisker of going to the Super Bowl again. We got a Warrior team that just won their fourth championship. Giants last year – held our interest. They won 107 games, which we thought was going to be the starting point to where, okay, now we're going to compete with the with the Dodgers. Instead, we're 39-33, and 33, we're in third place, and you're giving us Willie Calhoun and your mean Mercedes. I'm out on that. I, I, I'm right there with you, but I also think it's, you know, now we only have the Giants to focus on, so they're, they're catching a lot of the heat that, honestly, I think they probably deserved earlier in this season, but because of the Warriors' playoff run, Either people, you know, didn't want to talk about it. They just they didn't want, they weren't a story. And for Gabe Kapler to try and calm things down, I get it. And I appreciate it. And I like the fact that the manager of the team is the one who, you know, he has to be the face of the of organization. It's his point. job. I know that. You're right. You're right. Yeah. But, but it's his job more than a lot of other teams just because there isn't a face that you can put, as far as a, a, the player is concerned, there isn't a face or a voice you can put to the Giants in the way that Kapler is. Like, if you go to New York, sure, Aaron Boone's the manager. He's a steady Eddie. But Aaron Judge is the one that people want to hear from. If you look at, you know, the Los Angeles Dodgers, you could take your pick. Like, Dave Roberts is also a very even-keeled person and speaks for the franchise in an articulate manner. But Mookie Betts or Clayton Kershaw or Will Smith, or they have so many more options of players that you want to hear from I just don't think that any fan wants to hear right now from a player on the Giants, even if they had just won this series and beaten Cincinnati. And when you're looking at Gabe Kapler, I mean, there's only so much he can do, and and I hate to make it sound like I'm coming down on him, but you know he's the same guy from last year, and this year it hasn't gone his way. And I just hope that he is able to try and you know, re-energize this group with that that sort of sort of mellow energy because maybe what they need right now is to chill out. Like maybe they were just riding, like you said, too high on the 107 wins last season and just expected that their process from last year was going to translate to this year. But so far through 71 games, I haven't seen it. Yesterday, a huge win. You were there. Big win. They lost. Disappointing loss. The opener of the series in, what, four home runs yesterday. Then they come out today, and I know the you know, starting pitching had a lot to do with it, but they just look flat, right, against a team as bad as the Reds. And I guess a lot of that, you know, that'll happen when you give up seven runs in the third inning, but they just look flat today, and that's a problem. 
And and that that was never an issue last year. I don't like they never. I never thought of them as a flat team. I think that's a great point. They always came out with some sort of intent, whether it be in you know the at bats. Like I don't know about you, Whitey. Even though they have similar players or you know pretty much the same core from last year outside of Posey, like the amount of quality at bats to me has plummeted. The amount of times you see a player extend an at bat, force a pitcher, you know to to work the count full when it's 0-2 or draw a walk or get a two-out base knock. Like, that is having le- happening less and less compared to last season, whereas last year, I just came to expect it. Now, I'm back in the boat of, well, you know, Darren Ruff's a 225 hitter. He's down 0-2 in the count. It's an out here. Turn it over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Reds knock off the Giants today and win the series 10-3 to the final uh, the Giants still have the Detroit Tigers and the Chicago White Sox to come on this homestand. Coming up next, back to basketball. Kevin Durant could end up where? Ooh, that would not be good for Golden State. It's next with Evan and Whitey on 95.7 The Game. Now back to 95-7, the game. Giants falling to the Reds today, 10-3. It's Whitey and Evan on 95-7, the game. But look, Evan, I mean, we we failed to point out uh, in our last segment that the, the Giants lost today. I mean, controversial loss because uh, with two outs in that nightmarish third inning, Reds leading two to nothing. They would go on to score, what, seven in the inning. Two outs, there's a ground. I think Joey Votto hit a bouncing ball to belt at first he makes the catch steps on the bag inning over no foul ball rule the foul ball and i don't know if it was really a foul ball it was a key play in this ball game evan well they could have gone to replay for the next 15 minutes and try to figure it out but i guess they decided it wasn't worth the time yeah um it didn't seem like anybody was too upset at the time i know uh brian iglesias our producer is furious as one of the worst calls he's ever seen belt didn't seem that uh, excited about it um, well, it's, so it's funny though to me because the the play in that inning that I was actually more frustrated with was there was a fly ball hit to to dead center field. I forget who it was off the bat of Matt Reynolds. Reynolds, and so and the center fielder for the Giants, Slater, Slater had a terrible read on that ball. Took a couple steps in. We all know the cardinal rule: first step back or pause. Takes a step in. Ball flies over his head. Wind pushes it towards the wall. And they clear the bases. They go on to you know complete the the six seven run rally in that inning, and basically put the nail in the coffin in the second inning against Tony Disco. That to me is a more yeah kind of that that's the cringy mm-hmm. play to yeah. me more so than a, a missed foul ball call. What was that? And you know, of course, I know it. But what was the cardinal rule again? For those who don't know it. Uh... Well, no, I'm, I'm just saying. Like in little league, they always tell you, all right, fly ball in the air, first step back. Okay. Because yeah. at the very least, you can always have a ball fall in front of you, right? Especially with two outs. If the ball falls in front of you, then you limit damage. You keep it in front. That yeah. ball gets behind you. You're in center field. That's at least three bags, and that's multiple runs for the other team. That can't happen. How about this, Evan? The Cincinnati Reds, you mentioned earlier, they got off to a rough start. They're on pace for 106 losses. Uh, they are 21-45 and 45 against the rest of baseball. The Reds are 4-2 and two against the Giants. Eh. It happens, right? Well, that's probably how the Dodgers feel about the Giants right now because I think the Giants are 4-2 and two against L.A., and they, they swept them the last time that they played them. So 
Maybe the Giants just play up and down to their competition. I know that's not a, a symptom of a great baseball team, mm-hmm. but that might be where they are right now. Yeah, forgettable day today for the Giants. Much more memorable was what happened between the Angels and the Mariners. We we touched on this earlier. Second inning, the, the video, it, maybe you've seen it already, it's unbelievable. Second inning at Angel Stadium, uh, Andrew Wance hit Jesse Winker, uh, in the behind with a first pitch fastball, and Winker was upset. He had some words with uh, Max Stassi from, of course, Yuba City, as you know, and the home plate umpire. And so he makes his way towards the Angels' dugout amidst an argument with Phil Nevin, the Angel manager. And then there's chaos. Both benches clear. And there's punches. There's a brawl, but not like one of those baseball things where everyone goes, hey, watch it. I mean, there's a brawl, an 18-minute delay, Eight ejections. Uh, <laughs> eight ejections, including to the Orange County Register's Jeff Fletcher. <laughs> what? Four Mariners and four Angels uh, tossed from the game. And as Winker was leaving the field, he flipped off Angels fans seated behind the Mariners' dugout. And then my favorite part of this, Evan, have you seen this? Iglesias, when he is ejected, he throws a box of sunflower seeds Onto the field. I did see that. I was wondering where that was coming from. That's that's pretty good. That that is that is a pretty good way to get your money's worth on the way out of the park. Although, why this sunflower seeds? Is it just the least valuable thing in the dugout that he could find? Just chuck the trash can. I know Big Poppy like threw a bat. Um, Wally Backman, who's uh, an in. Yeah, you know, uh, indie ball legend mm-hmm. was went viral. Was very famous for throwing the entire bat rack onto the field. But sunflower seeds—that's a new one. I haven't seen that before. No, I haven't either. I'm not sure what the point was. Um, you know that, and just imagine if you're the grounds crew is like, oh great, we got to clean up all the sunflower seeds now before the game uh, can resume. So that was one of the big things that happened in baseball today. Uh, the Yankees—we talked yesterday about the Yankees—they were no hit. Um, by the Astros, and they were getting no hit, what, through seven today against the Astros, but the Yankees came back to walk off the Astros. Yeah, Jose Arquiti had a no-hitter. I saw through at least five innings today following Christian Javier's very controversial Mm. uh, no-hit exit after seven innings, in which he had like 13 strikeouts. So, you know, it goes from today, we're worrying about, oh, maybe you leave him in, 115 pitches, no-hitter, Today, oh, no hitter. Yankees, might, might they get no hit finally today? And instead, they flip the script. And if you just look at the box, I know it went 10 innings, but if you just look at the box score, you'd say there was no way in hell there was ever a no hitter in this game. <laughs> yeah. On the text line here, Comcast Business text line, 888-957-9570. Don and SF asks, next season, Gonzo or Yaz is the right fielder? Which, which Gonzalez? Oh, I think we're talking about, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Adrian, no, uh, the Luis. I think I think Yaz. I, I think Yaz is here to stay because at least I know he's up and down as a hitter. But the one thing he does give you is near Gold Glove defense, and that is very valuable, at particularly a spacious park like Oracle. Mm-hmm. So Yaz, to me, and he he had a nice play actually um, yesterday during the game. He, you know, nearly hosed someone at home plate trying to go from second to home. He's got a great arm. He's got a good glove. And he's also, to me, he seems like a good locker room guy as well. He just seems like a, you know, what, he was a 27-year-old rookie, so he's kind of got the late blooming story going for him. He doesn't, he plays with a chip on his shoulder, but he's not overly aggressive. I just think he's a nice guy to have on your roster, and 
I don't know, maybe Luis Gonzalez could go on to hit 40 home runs the rest of the season, but as of right now, if you had to pick between the two, Yaz would be my guy. And from the 408, bring back Snow, Schmidt, and Aurelia. Those guys ain't coming through the clubhouse door, mister. Are you sure right? you want them to come through the clubhouse door? They're like 45 years old. Jason well, Schmidt throws 76. Yeah. All right. So the Giants, uh, hopefully, with a World Series rematch coming against the Tigers. Oh, boy. Maybe they can get this thing headed in the right direction again. Uh, big week ahead for NBA fans. And, you know, the Warriors, they win a championship. They got the draft. Now we got free agency, even though they don't figure to be especially uh, active when it comes to going out and getting new guys. They do have to worry about all the free agents they have with free agents. Free agency, pardon me, tipping off uh, June 30th, Thursday at 3 p.m. And how about this, Evan? I know we talked about this earlier. We've got on Instagram, we've got... Dame Lillard now posting a photo of himself next to Kevin Durant in a Blazers jersey. Oh, that's all the Warriors need is KD out here with the Portland Trail Blazers. I actually think it would be really cool to pair Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard together because I think there are two very different people, both how they act and how they are perceived. Like Damian Lillard, even though he doesn't have – the two championships, the two finals MVPs, the four scoring titles, the you know top 30 player of all time ledger attached to his name. He, to me, in, in many ways, is like the most confident person in the NBA. He is totally and utterly satisfied with who he is, with his game and the way he plays. Whereas Kevin Durant comes off as a guy who, you know, even though he is a confident player when he's on the court, doesn't necessarily give the image of a confident individual away from the court. So to be able to pair them together, whether it works or not, I just think would be fascinating from two personalities in that perspective. Yeah, one of the problems with that is that Kevin Durant is not actually a free agent, mm. so he doesn't necessarily get to tell the Nets, hey, could you send me there? I mean, if you're the Nets, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Kyrie wants to go somewhere, and now you want to go somewhere. What do we, you know, we don't have to do that. We need to keep some of these guys. Uh, would be interesting. Interesting to see, although at some point, Kevin Durant just needs to stay in one place and make the best of that situation. How about that as a concept? Well, that, that certainly is one that he is uh, he is weighing along with the 192 million reasons that he should stay with the Brooklyn Nets. But I thought it, I thought it'd be interesting also because like. I don't know if you if you know this story, but when Damian Lillard played with with Draymond and KD on the Olympic team, and they won the gold. After, and Dame Lillard was terrible, by the way, because I think he was hurt. Yeah, he he, he yeah. wasn't great, but so they're they're celebrating in the back, and you know they're they're popping champagne, they're they're having a good time, and they all got their gold medals on, and Damian Lillard needs help to open the champagne bottle. He's never opened a champagne bottle before. <laughs> like, he doesn't know how to do it. And so Draymond Green comes over and helps him pop the champagne. So wow. Kevin Durant, if somehow he's able to swing his way to Portland, I'm sure would love to try and help Damian Lillard pop a champagne bottle. And I, I just thought it was a funny story. It, it caught my it eye is. during the break. And, um, and also for Damian Lillard, again, to the point of him being a confident person, to be able to tell that story and reveal to people that, yeah, like Draymond Green, the real, the three-time champ, I needed some help from him to figure out. I haven't been here before. Did you happen to hear, and I don't think we have it here, so if you haven't heard it, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. But have, have you heard the story Dame Lillard told? He was on a podcast 
just not too long ago talking about Jordan Poole and the first time when he played against Jordan Poole. And he was like, yeah, he said, and he's, he's scoring, I think he scored like 60 in a game against the Warriors. And he said Jordan Poole was, was riding him and heckling him. And Jordan Poole was on the bench at the time. And he's like, who is this guy? When Jordan Poole was a rookie. And Dame says, I'm out there scoring 60, and this guy's riding me, and he's not even in the game. Was that during the, the pandemic season? or the? I think it was, yeah. And I think it was before... Everything got shut down. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I do remember him telling that story. <laughs> and he was just, he couldn't believe it. Yeah, he's like, who, who the hell is this little rookie? Like, yeah. You know, as, as we discussed yesterday, like Jordan Poole was not great his rookie season with the Warriors. He was terrible. Mm-hmm. And people were wondering if he was going to be able to stick around and stay in the league. And he's talking to Damian Lillard, and Lillard's like, Dude, I don't know where you're worried about me. You should be worried about your <laughs> roster spot. Yeah. Leave it alone. Yeah, and I think he said he told Draymond, hey, Dre, you better keep an eye on that guy because if me and Draymond are tight, Draymond, you better keep him in check. So that was that was amazing. Uh, Dame Lillard, the shot he made against OKC to knock them out when he waved bye-bye to them and to Westbrook. It's one of my favorite moments in NBA history. I loved that. Damian Lillard, I, 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 I have – a love for him as as someone who's from the East Bay because he is yeah. very much Oakland true and true, and he is has always been the underdog at every single step of his career. But through all of that, he's never really lost. I think the sense of self uh, that a lot of athletes still look for, you know, even through their. You know, I mean, Dylan Lillard's been in the league now for ten years. He was in the same draft class as yeah. Draymond Green. Yeah, and coming out of Weber State, there's not a lot of believers in him. Um, but also that is one of my favorites and actually could have been, you know, a a night night situation, right? We're talking about celebrations earlier Mm -hmm. in this show that waving bye-bye to OKC (laughs) is with a straight face. I know there's that meme where he's in, he's in the the pile and he looks up in the camera and just has deadpan. Like I am a stone cold killer. Yeah. And Paul George wanted absolutely none of it. Oh, that, that was, that was a very sweet moment for Blazer fans. I think a great moment for the NBA. Yeah, what do you think would be best for the NBA in terms of Kyrie and Durant? Just your opinion. I'm not sure what I think here. What's best for the NBA? Is it if they stay together? See, I th- do think if Kyrie went to the Lakers, I I don't know that it would end well, but it would create a lot of interest and it would be fascinating. And you know there would be times when it worked, and I think that'd be really interesting. And I think it would be doomed to fail, which would also be fun to watch. So I think that'd be good. Durant, I... I don't know. I mean, I remember Dame Lillard, was it last year when he had some fun on Instagram leading people to believe that he was going to go to the Lakers, which he didn't. So I think he just has fun with his stuff. But I don't know where KD goes from here if Kyrie is out. I would I would like to see them both stay. I know it's not a, a sexy option when we're talking about how free agency can reconstruct the way the league is next season, but... Mm-hmm. I just think they need to stay in Brooklyn and commit to what they originally committed to, which was each other. And if they, if Kyrie leaves to go to L.A., obviously Katie's not going with them. If Katie somehow finds a way to go to Portland, Kyrie's not going to be with them. I would like to see these two great individual basketball players try to figure it out. I don't think it'll happen. Um, and maybe Kyrie or KD, the conversation surrounding that is which one of them is more at fault. But I would love to try and see two people that a lot of you know critics, a lot of fans, a lot of NBA onlookers in general see these guys as kind of like almost problem children in a way. 
and and I would love for them to be able to flip that script and at least you know end their career knowing that they gave it their best shot because I don't feel like they've done that so far. I haven't felt necessarily any buy-in from them towards the Brooklyn Nets just because you know whether you know the vaccination thing coming in was was an issue for Kyrie last year. Katie had the Achilles injury, obviously his first season, and they haven't really been able to put it together so much to the point where James Harden said, "I don't even want to be a part of this. I want to get the hell up out of here." Yeah. So I would love for them to get together, try and make the most out of their situation, and hopefully prove James Harden wrong that he didn't want to be a part of something potentially special. On the text line, Ev, from the 858, I want to pelt Whitey Gleason with sunflower seeds if I beat him in a pickup game <laughs> of one-on-one. Well, that ain't happening, all right? I mean, I leave the sunflower seeds at home because you ain't beating me in a pickup game of one-on-one. By the way, if it's you and me playing one-on-one, it's not a pickup game, but that be that as it may. <laughs> um, have you ever heard of a hook shot? Because you're going to get a steady diet, a steady diet of the old hook shot. Uh, yeah. sir or madam. So, yeah, I, I'm not worried about taking a sunflower bath, sunflower, sunflower seed bath. I'll play you uh, a one-on-one. Well, if, co- I, yeah. I do have to ask yeah. this then, Whitey. Yeah. How do you like your coffee? How do I like my coffee? I like With a my, little uh, cream. <laughs> okay. Take that, 858. All right. Yeah. All right. There you go. Yeah, thank you for sticking up for me. I appreciate that. You know, Kevin Durant, when he was playing with Westbrook, supposedly he didn't like that. That's never officially been confirmed, but to me, you could see it if you saw them play. So he didn't like that. I I get that. I don't know why he would want to go play with Kyrie. Uh, I guess he's easily swayed, and they were friends. Like, hey, this will be great. I didn't understand that either. If there were a way where KD could play with Dame Lillard, I think that would work. I think that would be scary for the rest of the league. Obviously, it would depend on who else they have on the team, but I think that could be a lethal combination. I'm with you. I do think it could, too, because also I think that, I mean, stylistically, they're they're different players, but Damian Lillard, I think, is is kind of just like a, a, a better version of Kyrie Irving in a lot of ways. Like, I think he's just a little bit better of a scorer. He's... You know he can he can pull from deep. He doesn't mm-hmm. play a lot of defense, uh, but he's he's consistent. He's always out there on the floor. And he wants to win in a way that Kyrie maybe used to at one point. I don't know, but certainly doesn't now. Kyrie has achieved the ultimate goal, which is the championship, and he threw in the dagger for that championship, which Damian Lillard has never had the opportunity to do. But Kyrie has also always had to be the second or third option on his team. Damian Lillard has been the de facto one since the moment he walked into the, well, it was the Rose Garden into, you know, the arena up in Portland. And so I would love to see... the Moda Center still? Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. There's the Moda Center. And I would love to see KD get into the Moda Center and be a part of, of, of that with Damian Lillard. I don't know if they'd have enough around them, but in fact, maybe that's what I'm actually asking for in Brooklyn is what could be in Portland, which is just KD and a, and a great point guard, potentially you know all-time Hall of Fame point guard, to be able just to put all the the extra stuff aside. Like, don't get off my timeline. I don't want to see you on social media. I want to see you on the basketball court, which is where I fell in love with you in the first place. Obviously, it's going to take some time for the Warriors and their free agents to work things out. I would be surprised if Kevon Looney does not end up back with the Warriors. I would be a little surprised 
if Gary Payton II does not end up back with the Warriors. But I also will be surprised if Otto Porter ends up back with the Warriors. I know that it's a good fit for him and the Warriors would like to have him. I just think there's a really good chance he's going to get a better offer that's going to be worth for him to take for him to go elsewhere, worth more than what the Warriors really are in position to give him. I also think that he is more inclined to take a bigger offer than either Looney or even GP2 just because he literally signed a $100 million contract early in his career, and this was sort of you know the, the the launching pad for him to be able to prove that he could stay healthy, that he was still the 40% three-point shooter, a 3 and D big that is, well, I mean, let's put it, let's put the rat on the table. Like, it's a very coveted position. Do we have the rats? That he Do we know where the, the rats table. are? Did, <laughs> yeah, we Sorry found one yesterday. That. Yeah, no, that's okay. I, I threw, I threw I, that on cam. That's my bad. I don't know where Guru keeps him over the weekend. But, yes, to your point, yeah. No, he, we, don't, he, we don't have the rats. They're gone. He's a coveted player. Yeah. And his his style of basketball is what equates to success in the modern NBA. So someone's going to give him an offer. And I think that even if the Warriors came close to matching it, that he would be he would want to take the money. Like that was always, I think, his goal was to be a part of a contending team, hopefully win a championship, and use that to further his career. Yeah, I'm with you. I think in some ways, Ev, it was similar, kind of like a Gosman deal with the Giants. And I know he ended up staying more than one year. But it's like, let me go there, reestablish what I can do as a starting pitcher, and then we'll see where we are. And it got to the point where the Giants said, oh, it's too rich for our blood. He moved on. I agree with you. When Otto Porter came here, it was like, all right, one-year deal. It's affordable for you. I get an opportunity to show what I can do on a good team, and then we'll see where we are. So, yeah, it's possible he stays, but I would not be surprised if he ends up somewhere else. Me neither, and but I hope they could bring them all three back. Like I, I really do hope that Joe Lacob is willing to pay the astronomical luxury tax bill, just because I am. I was so in love with this team this year, and I would love to see all of them back. Unfortunately, I just don't think that's going to happen. Thank you, Ev. It's always a lot of fun. Had a fun weekend with you. Appreciate all your work very much. Hope you've had fun too. Right back at you, Kevin Ev. Thank you, uh, Cam. Thank you, Brian. I'll be in for Damon tomorrow, so I'll be in with Ray Ratto uh, unless I can figure out a a healthy excuse three to six uh, tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Stick around for Fox Sports Radio next right here on 95.7 The Game.